Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome back to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast of the Tennessee Initiative of Perinatal Quality Care. I'm your host, Scott Guthrie, the Infant Medical Director for TIPQC. Today, I would like to welcome guests that we have from Tennessee's Early Intervention System. They're going to be talking to us today about the program and especially informing physicians and other medical care providers on everything they need to know about TEIS, but also informing parents about what they need to know about what Tennessee can offer your little one. Today, we've got Susan Rollison. She's the program manager for the Screening Tools and Referral Training Program. This is commonly referred to as the START program, and it's housed at the Tennessee chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The START program is funded through a grant from the Tennessee Department of Developmental and Intellectual Disabilities, specifically the Tennessee Early Intervention System. The START program has been around for about 17 years, and it was designed to help implement the use of formal screening tools and practices. It's available throughout the state to educate medical students, providers, and staff about developmental and behavioral screening tools and their related referral procedures, office workflow, and coding for payment. It can also be easily incorporated into a practice routine. START is great for physicians, allied healthcare providers, and office staff. It's offered at no cost across the state of Tennessee. We also have Lauren Legate. She's the Chief of Staff of the Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. And before this role, Lauren served as the DIDD Public Information Officer, working primarily with TEIS to improve communication and knowledge among staff, providers, and Tennesseans statewide. Let me both welcome you to our program. Would you like to tell everybody hi? Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Hi, everybody. It is a pleasure to have you today, and I always like to get everybody thinking and talking with one specific question that I ask in every podcast. If you could have a gigantic billboard, you could put whatever you wanted to on this gigantic billboard to get your message out, I and mean, it can be about anything. What would each of you say about that? Lauren, I'll start with you. Well, you know what? I would probably keep it simple. I would just put as big as I could early intervention changes lives because that's really how we feel at DIDD within TEIS. We know how we can help families and how we help children. And we just want to let people know that may be thinking about it or may not know about it. We want to plant that seed that through our program, we can change your family's life. Tell us about TEIS. Some of our listeners may not have heard of this program before. Tell us exactly what that means and what TEIS does. All right. Well, TEIS stands for the Tennessee Early Intervention System. And like you mentioned, we are housed within the Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities, which provides services and supports to adults. About a year and a half ago, TEIS was actually with the Department of Education, but TEIS came over to DIDD in July of 2020. And what we do is we provide therapy 
and supports for the little ones, for the infants and toddlers that may have a developmental delay or disability. So from the time a child is born, whether that baby goes home or goes into the NICU, up until the time that child turns three years old, that third birthday, we work with families. There's a huge emphasis for our staff to provide support to families. And of course, to work with that infant and that toddler to reach their optimal development, to have them live their best life, to set them up for success. So is TEIS available across the state? Yes, from Cleveland to Paris, Tennessee, to everywhere in between. We have nine district offices across the state. So while we, of course, are headquartered here in Nashville, we have our staff, our boots on the ground, our experts that have been doing this for decades in our nine district offices across the state. Tennessee is a very diverse state. We've got the big cities of Memphis and of Nashville, but we also have a lot of very rural areas. How does TEIS function in those locations? Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. We're not going to serve a child in inner city Memphis the same way we serve a child in rural northeast Tennessee. The same provider network's not there. Things look different. They face different challenges. And, you know, if anything, the pandemic really shed a light on that and just how different it is across the state. We do have a focus on our rural communities as of late because thanks to all the data we do pull, we know that there are some areas we really need to zone in on. But that being said, we are providing the same amount of care to the children who are in those rural areas as opposed to a child that might be 10 miles down the road from Vanderbilt in Metro Nashville. It looks different, but it's the same level of care. And that's really a commitment that we pride ourselves on. So speaking of those resources, what resources does TEIS help coordinate? Pretty much it's what the family and what the child needs, whether it's different sorts of therapies, developmental therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, They go through our evaluation process and our experts are really able to pinpoint, okay, what's the holdup here? What do we need to work on to get this child developing as they should for their age? After that eligibility process happens, we will then work with our provider network across the state to get that child enrolled in services as fast as we can. So exactly why is it so important for these children to have these resources this early? The earlier if a child is having some difficulty, the faster that we can get to them and start those milestones. There's so much research now on children with autism diagnosis that the faster that they can start working with professionals, the better life they will lead. And that at DIDD, because we do provide services from the time a child is born to an elderly person, that's our commitment. We want a person living their optimal life, whether that's independence when they're 30 or whether that's being able to get up out of their wheelchair and walk when they're a toddler. And I think our average age about now is a little over 15 months old, which, you know, to the average person, you say, well, that's pretty early, under two years old. And, And that is, but you know what, if we can get that number down, because we only have three years with them in TEIS, if a baby is born with a certain condition that we know they'll be eligible for our program, we want that referral made to TEIS before they leave the NICU and they can start services the next week. There's no gap there. And that's what we really think is important, especially with some more complex issues. We just want to make sure that they're living the best life. And we have a really big focus on the family too, because we know a developmental delay or disability, the burden, the overwhelming feeling that can put on a family. So we're not just there for the child, we're there for the family because we know the progress they make really will change that family's life. So you mentioned specifically something about eligibility requirements for TEIS. 
Can you go into that with a little more detail for me and tell me what makes somebody eligible for these services? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So a child is eligible for our program based on information from the child's doctor. Also, they do undergo a developmental evaluation. And from that evaluation, our specialist will either have to determine a 25% delay in two developmental areas or a 40% delay in one area. And that's a lot of jargon and it's hard to explain. And we also have a diagnosis list. So if a child is diagnosed with a certain condition, it is likely they will be accepted to our program. And we also have some criteria for premature babies. So if there's a certain week gestation, they will be eligible for our program. So there are some specifics. This is where we really lean on the medical community. We don't change this too often. We really will just add to that diagnosis list. But this is really where the relationship between our medical community and the program are really important. And Dr. Guthrie, this is Susan. I really wanted to emphasize that diagnosis list because I think a lot of folks don't know that even exists. When we go out and do these trainings in pediatric offices and family practitioners and even in medical schools across the state, we'll mention this diagnosis list or I'll bring it with me. I'll have a hard copy of it. And there's always this space of, oh my goodness, we have missed. There's this one kid that somebody has missed. So I always really emphasize with all of our trainings when we do this is you've got to learn that diagnosis list because you'll be shocked, really. I think there's a lot of diagnosis. It's by code. I think you'd be even shocked if you haven't seen it in a while because it has changed in the last year. There's been several things that have been added to it. I just want to emphasize that for sure. We're going to make this available on our show notes. You'll be able to access this, see this list that Susan is talking about so you can become familiar with these diagnoses that healthcare providers need to know to make the recommendation to Tennessee Early Intervention Services. So let's say there's a parent that's listening to this right now and they're saying, wow, this is something I need to be concerned about. They go on the internet, they look at this list, see some of this information and say, I'm really concerned. Can a parent make a self-referral or do they need to go to their healthcare provider to, to help them do that? Well, Dr. Guthrie, we always promote parents going to pediatricians for any concern they may have. But to answer your question, anyone can make a referral to TEIS, anyone. And we get a lot of referrals, of course, from parents. However, more than half of our referrals do come from the medical community. And that's why as outreach goes, we want to get out there to our families and to our parents. We start in any area trying to find anybody we can. But our relationship with our medical community is so important because we know that they're going to see those families in most cases. We know whether it's the health department or your family doctor, that a lot of times it's going to be that doctor, that nurse that makes that referral. So if a parent goes on our website, and of course, with the internet now being so accessible, sometimes you don't have to wait for that well check at your doctor's office. But if you do go on our website, I would say look around, find the information. But if you start getting into the diagnosis list and the criteria, just make the referral. There is no harm in that. And if there's a thought in your mind, you know what, I don't know if my child's where they're supposed to be. If you have any concern, there's no harm in just making a referral. Go through the evaluation process and, and maybe not. Maybe your child's fine and is just progressing at their own speed, but the experts don't see that there's any delay there. It was okay. There's no charge, which 
maybe I can talk about that in a little bit too, because that's my most exciting thing to talk about. But there's no harm in doing any of that. So just fill out a referral. And something interesting is that I think it was a couple years ago, we pulled data from when we got referrals. Any guesses on what day of the year we got our highest number of referrals? The night of Thanksgiving. And you know why that was? It was because, and this is just what we surmise from this, is that families get together and families maybe haven't seen the child in a while, or maybe the baby was just crawling and now it's it's a toddler and they just think, you know, have you thought about this? Or, you know, I have a neighbor. And and obviously those are super hard conversations to have because no one wants to think there's something wrong with their child or that their child's delayed a little bit. But we do see a peak in the holidays. And it just so happened that one night it was the night of Thanksgiving. So it just goes to show that this is not just a parent thing. This is a community thing as far as who's in your child's lives. And that's why anybody can make a referral. We accept them 365 days a year. So let's say next Thanksgiving, somebody gets together with their family and they wrap up dinner and they're worried now and they make a referral themselves. So this is a parent making a referral themselves. What's the process that they undergo then? What takes place just so our listeners can understand? So the process, it moves really fast. The thing about early intervention is because we only have until the child is three, we have got to get moving. So we have 45 days to basically get a plan in place. So you will get a letter saying that we've received your referral. Then you will hear from one of our eligibility providers. There are three separate agencies across the state that do the evaluations for us, the eligibility evaluations. And they will set that up with you and your child. And that's when they will get that evaluation done. And then, of course, they'll go back and they will determine if the child is eligible for a program or not. You mentioned about 50% of your referrals come from the medical community. So what if a parent is notified that a referral has been made for their child and they disagree with this idea and they don't want the referral? What happens at that point? They just decline. And there's no harm, no foul. Of course, that can happen. I think we always encourage if someone's going to ha- make a referral on behalf of a child to have that conversation and to say, hey, have you heard of TEIS? They can absolutely decline our services, and, and that's no problem. Too. And we really do encourage folks to educate their parents what TEIS is and what the next steps should be. We really, really emphasize it being like a medical referral, just like you would for OT or PT or any of that. So you're explaining to them the next steps. So it's really important that the medical community understand what are the next steps so that they can relay that to the families. And they can be a resource for the families that don't understand what TEIS is so that you can be that resource. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, I think that's the big thing as a healthcare provider is when we're making this referral, we've got to sit down and help the family understand that there's nothing to fear here. There's nothing to worry. This is a normal process. We're doing this. So if there's a problem, we can get that intervention started and give you the best outcome possible. That's the key. And that's the message that we want to give parents in this situation too. If there's any question, let's let the process work. Let's let the state help you and get the services that your child deserves so they can become the best Tennessean possible, which is our goal, right? Absolutely. Awesome. So let's talk about cost. Your face lit up. Nobody else can see your face except me, but your face lit up when you said you had some very good news about this and wanted to to make sure people understood. Because I can see as a parent, 
And maybe this is why somebody would want to turn these services down is I think, wow, this is going to cost me a lot of money. If they identify something's wrong with my child, I'm going to have to pay for this and I have to pay for this. So what would you say if that was somebody's reason for not wanting to be involved in TEIS? I would say fear not, Dr. Guthrie. I thought you'd never ask. TIS services are provided at absolutely no cost to our families. And we try to spread that loud and proud. Healthcare is expensive. Healthcare is expensive if you're a low income, a middle income family for so many Tennesseans. Even if you have insurance, co pays add up. It all adds up. And we know that. And if you've got a child that, has to see a doctor a couple times a month, you know that too. So we provide our services at no cost to the family. And that means even if you make a referral and you go through that evaluation process and say your child's not eligible for our program at that point, which we do encourage re-referrals if that changes. But if your child's not eligible, you won't get a bill from us saying, okay, we did the evaluation. You're not eligible. You have to pay us now. You'll never receive a bill from TEIS. If you do have private insurance, we will ask your permission to utilize your private insurance to pay for some therapies and some of these services, but you are never going to get turned away from our program or any of our providers if you can't afford anything. And that's the message that we want everybody to make sure they know because when a parent is grappling with a referral or is there something wrong or could my child use some support there, we don't ever want cost to be an issue in the back of their mind. So let's make sure we broadcast this message loud and clear. So you keep on using the phrase no cost. Does that mean this is free? So that's tricky. It costs something. Therapy and and medical services are very expensive. But if you are accepted into our program, this is a program that the state does pay for. So it's free to the family. They will never get a bill. It's no cost to them. How many other ways can we say this? There's no risk to it. I wish I spoke a different language because I would say it in that language. When I first started working with TIS, it was really important for me to go out and to see how we provided services and what we did. And the first one visit I went to, my mom said to her service coordinator, which those are like our caseworkers. They're the most amazing people on the planet. And her mom said, hey, I got this bill from my so-and-so. What should I do? Service coordinator took the bill and said, I'll deal with it. The mom was like, okay, I know you said this didn't cost anything, but then I got this bill. And, you know, sometimes it happens when you're dealing with private insurance and different providers. The service coordinator took the bill and she made some phone calls and she took care of it. But again, we want the family and the parents focus on that child's development and that family's happiness. And we want them to know that they do not have to worry about cost. So you mentioned insurance. Does somebody have to have private insurance in order to take advantage of TEIS or do they have to have insurance at all? No, they sure don't. Of course, if they do have private insurance, we will ask their permission to utilize that because, of course, we get a set amount of money to run our program and we try to stretch those dollars as far as we can. So we will ask to access that private insurance to see if they will cover some of the therapies, especially they're accepted into our program, but they do not have to have private insurance. So you mentioned already that TEIS will work with this child once they've been identified until they're three years of age. What happens after three years? That is always a really big question because three years happens really fast, especially when the average age of a child entering our program is 15 months old. When a child gets close to their third birthday, we start what we call the transition process. A lot goes into this. We start planning for transition. 
about six months before the child's third birthday. And we will have a transition planning conference. You will either leave TEIS and you won't need any services. My son had speech therapy and he didn't need any further services. Or if your child might, if there are complex developmental delays or disabilities, that's when we bring in the local school district, the local education agency. So we will start meeting with the school district to transfer your services. And you will have to go through the eligibility process again with the school district because you go into a different federal part of the program. But we start working with the school district to make sure that there's no lapse in services. And that's why with TEIS, it can get a bit overwhelming because we are on the clock. I have been to TEIS initial visits with families where the child was a late referral, maybe around the two, two and a half age. It was the first visit and we had to have that conversation about transition, which can seem like a lot, but it's important to make sure they start progressing, that they don't have to stop or there's not a huge delay because of things that are outside of their control. That's great. So I've got to tell you guys something. I've known about TEIS ever since I started practicing medicine and I've referred patients to it. I have learned a lot today. Absolutely love this. And I'm thinking, you know, if I've learned about TEIS, just sitting here talking to you and asking you questions, there's got to be other healthcare providers thinking the same thing. What message would you have for the healthcare providers and what do you think they need to know about this program? I would say just don't forget about us. Every child that you're seeing that meets the zero to three age group, always think about us in the back of your mind. You know, the medical community is so important to us. These past two years when everyone in the medical field has been so overwhelmed with caring for us in COVID, it's a lot to ask, but we just want them to always remember that we're here for whether it's speech therapy or whether it's something really complex. We encourage relationships. That's why Susan and I work so closely. TNAP is a huge partner for us, but our website, there's so much information. Everything I've just rattled off and a lot more is on that website, including that diagnosis list. We have councils in each of our areas that would love to have a local pediatrician weigh in on those meetings. We have state councils that are appointed by the governor that would be so thankful to have a pediatrician's input. So whether your involvement is just referring your patients whenever you think it's appropriate or you want to take your involvement a step further, just don't forget about us because we need you a lot. We just want to be as good partners as we can. So how would the pediatrician who's listening to this learn how to make a referral or actually make a referral so they could take advantage of this program? We have our website where the referral link is plastered on each separate page. There's also ways to get in contact with our different districts. So if you're up in Johnson City and you'd like just a little bit more of an intimate relationship with TEIS, you can call your local office there and you can talk about councils or anything else. Just ask some questions. But yeah, the referral link is on our website. You can't miss it. There's also a phone number that you can make your referral. Say if someone's over big on the computer, they can call somebody and someone will take down that referral information for you. I'd like to add to that too. That online link that they have now is now FERPA and HIPAA compliant. So there is a spot there that you can upload medical records. The reason I like to promote that piece when we do our trainings across the state with the medical folks is because it cuts off a little step that TEIS already has to come back around and ask for those medical records because they have to have that to do a IFSP meeting. So that's really important. All you'd have to do on your end on the medical side is to get a release form signed and you could share the medical records on that online upload and it's really easy to use. It's fast. I really encourage folks to use that piece. 
This is great. So it sounds like TEIS has gone out of the way to make this as easy as possible for healthcare providers to make this referral. You obviously made it as easy as possible for parents. I mean, it's no cost to them to get their children involved, to get them the services that they need. So this is an absolutely fantastic program that we need to take advantage of. And if I can, Dr. Guthrie, I would like to brag on our program a little bit. Fiscal year 2020, which we all know what happened there, 2021, we received a record number of referrals, more than 20,000 referrals, Tennessee families saying, I'm interested. I think my child may be eligible. And that was a year where so much was going on. And you can look at that a couple of ways. We're also on track to hit more than 20,000 referrals. So our program is growing and we're hoping that's because people are really realizing how much it can change lives, whether it's a complex disability or developmental delay, working with professionals, your medical partners, it can really change your family's life. Great. And again, we'll have all this information in our show notes for people to be able to link to your site to make those referrals and get more information. I would like to say too, TIS, when you do the eligibility piece, sometimes we get a little feedback from docs across the state that they get frustrated that the child is not receiving services when they think they should receive services. And I think it takes a little bit of explanation for people to kind of understand that. When you do an eligibility, you're doing either 25% delayed in two areas of development or one area at 40% delay. When we think of areas, fine motor, gross motor, that is all under motor skills when they're doing their evaluation at TEIS. And the same thing with communication. So we think of expressive and receptive. Well, those are both put under the same domain as communication. When you have a child that is maybe not expressing themselves language-wise, but understands everything that you're saying to them, sometimes that counterweights everything. So it makes them not receive services for speech and language. But as they grow and get bigger, we encourage doctors to continue to make those referrals. Wait six months. They're still seeing that delay. Go on and refer them again because it's going to start getting wider and wider, that discrepancies. That's just really important. I don't think a lot of folks know that. When we do that start training that we talked about earlier across the state, I really try to emphasize those two, that motor and communication are not split up the way you would think they would be. That's just because they use the Battelle Developmental Inventory that's just the way that developmental assessment works. Just thought I'd throw that little information out too. Thank you. Well, as we wrap up, what is one thing that our listeners need to know? People have questions or concerns, they can reach out to Lauren or myself. We'd be happy to answer any questions. We try not to overcomplicate our message just because when it's it's a lot of medical terminology, it's a lot of terminology you don't understand. We don't want parents to get discouraged. So we just say, try it. It doesn't hurt. It won't cost you anything. And we can really maybe help your family and your child. And that's what's important. And probably the most important thing that we didn't talk too much about is that we don't just treat the child or work with the child. We work with the entire family. We deliver our services with a concept called FGRBI, which stands for Family Guided Routines Based Intervention. And what that means is that we try to provide services in the natural environment, which is your home, your grandparents' home, somewhere the child is used to being. And we try to work with the family and the child's routines. You've all seen the videos of a therapist coaching the child to walk to them and mom's kind of standing over there looking or dad's standing over there looking. We want the child walking to mom or dad. And we want the therapist coaching saying, you got it. That's a good job. Go to mom. 
because we want the family involved because no one knows your child or loves your child like you do. So that's why we really have a family approach at DEIS. Yeah, that's super. That family approach, it can make a real difference when we're talking about these things. Well, hey, I appreciate both of you taking time to be with us today and letting me ask you some questions and helping our listeners learn all about Tennessee Early Intervention System and what the system can offer and what the state can offer to help your child reach their full potential. I think that is super important and the biggest message. And I like Lauren, I think you said, try us. It's free and it can't hurt. That's the way to sum all of this up. Anything that's free that can't hurt, that certainly has the potential to make a huge difference. We need to get the children of Tennessee involved in that. I agree. Thank you guys for what you do. Well, thank you. We will be putting, again, all of the links in our show notes and make those available to everybody. And again, you can contact Lauren or Susan with any questions that you may have. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.